by that um <laughs> i uh i i have a score here ready for you on this parody song and um well i think um and i would have liked to have heard some references to maybe the the brown line uh the classic oh, okay. cta sure. line uh the, yeah. <laughs> that goes around the loop and up into the north side of the city um i still think that this is a tremendous effort on europe part uh i did 
can't remember if this is all just recall on the uh, the geography of Columbia College Chicago, or if you did some research, some Google Maps saying there was a Seven Eleven near the two East to Eighth dorms, which I never lived in. I didn't live in the dorms in Columbia College, but the geographical um, expertise there, I think, is just indicative of a lot of um, research <laughs> on your end. That yeah. I, um, you know, I don't know if that's typical for when you're writing these these parody songs, but I sure, certainly do appreciate it this time. I have no choice but to give you a perfect ten on that. Wow, one. Mason, keep that score. Wait, keep that scorecard up there real quick. I gotta, I gotta snag a photo of that. That's, yep, that's going in the fucking Smithsonian. <laughs> <laughs> right next to the original iMac, right next to the blue iMac with the. Um, that was the thing that was going around on on viral, like the millennials. You won't believe that the vi- the iMac has is in the Smithsonian or some museum now or something. Who gives a shit? What should be in the museum is that song parody though. So. Congratulations, Chef. Two weeks in a row you have outdone yourself on this. I know wow. that there's a lot of stuff going on in your personal life. <laughs> Let's, uh, well, it's, you... it's per, it's, it, there is, but I'm okay. I just want everyone to know I'm right. fine. No, it's, I'm fine. Listen, it's, Noah's not dying, folks. There's just one of the most stressful things that anyone can go through uh, is, uh, I guess... It, I'm moving again. <laughs> You're moving. Okay, I didn't, I didn't want to take the news. But th- that's a stressful thing, folks. I've gone through it recently. Uh, so let's just, just prayers up for our boy who uh, yeah. is looking for a new place to live in the city of angels. Um, the city of damn angles is about yeah. to get a little cuter, a little acuter uh, 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 at this podcast about to get a little more obtuse. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, our special guest, our special guest this week is a rubber goose. <laughs> our special guest this week is a protractor. <laughs> Our special guest, our special guest, I saw Salim, who our who our special guest is this week. <laughs> it's I don't know if we're going in the right, the right. I don't know if we're taking the right angle on this joke. Oh, <laughs> why don't you scaling back the criticism, Mason? I'm doing the best I can. <sighs> oh my god, man. But uh, you know what? I, When's the all, last? Listen, what? Yeah, hmm? what's up? I was just gonna ask. Well, I, was I was gonna, just gonna say. Ask, I... <laughs> <laughs> what? Say your thing, and then I'll say my thing. Uh, I was just gonna say that you know I know it's stressful right now, but I do think that you will have something lined up by uh, November when you are England to get out of the, the get out of your spot there, and you can celebrate it by going to see the latest Marvel adventure in theaters. You know, Marvel's the Eternals. Yeah. We've been waiting for it for so long. Um, directed by Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao, uh, friend of the show actually, Chloe Zhao. She's the silent third Mike. <laughs> She's the silent third. She's the Billy Preston of uh, It's on the List. Um, And uh, we are actually been, uh, we have actually been graced uh, and lucky enough to actually be the official podcast of the, of Marvel's The Eternals. So um, you should be expecting a lot more content on that film, the sooner to release date and certainly after. Um, That's all I wanted to say. If it goes well with The Eternals thing. There's no reason to think we can't be the official podcast of Marvel. That's true. That's true. Um, what's your What's the Marvel movie that you're most looking forward to? Uh, just another Ant Man, I think. Yeah. Just you like can't a go third Ant Man. Just like yeah. a third Ant Man, I think. Um, maybe we'll get a third guy because it was Ant Man, and then it was Ant Man and the Wasp, 
Maybe we'll get like a weevil or something. <laughs> Ant Man and the Roly Poly. Ant Man, yeah, Ant Man and the Potato Bug, and maybe maybe the, maybe the Potato <laughs> Bug will, will help help show Ant Man that hey, sometimes you have to even get smaller <laughs> than you actually are. You have to actually have to reduce your body mass and size by like a fucking half just to go just to fight crime. Sometimes I think that'd be good. That'd be good. That'd be good. But what were you going to ask before I had to share share that good news with the with the audience that we are actually now the official podcast of Marvel's The Eternals? I don't remember, um, so oh. that's fine. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm fine though. Yeah, I'm moving again, and that's stressful. That's literally what's yeah. going on. Uh, I'm not going to say it's not impacting my ability to uh, sit down and watch the movies, and sometimes you know. Get that done. Maybe we're maybe we're cutting it close. Maybe a little bit this week in terms of mm-hmm. everything that we had to do, but it's happening nonetheless. Uh, so glad to be here. Uh, glad to be looking uh, for places and glad to be looking at my friend Mason McGuire. What's up, oh, buddy? To answer your question, I guess even more specifically, uh, yeah, I do a, a full PhD dissertation for all the song parodies that I write, including the one this week. So. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. Yes, okay, okay. Um, sounds like a lot of work Any in any case. Uh, I think some weeks it is more um, noticeable than others. This one in particular, which, you know, just got to give give you, give you the A again. Give you the A plus again. 10 out of 10. Thank you, man. I'm uh, looking up Chicago 7-Elevens right now. And I think it's just... Because this was the thing go- that you mentioned last week, which was kind of surprising to me, which is that you apparently think that there aren't a lot of 7-Elevens in the city of Chicago. And I would push back on that a little bit, actually. Yeah, you, you say that I'm wrong about that, and that's fine. You're allowed to you're allowed to say that I'm wrong, but I just want to go through... <laughs> I just want to go through some of the 7-Elevens <laughs> in the city of Chicago, see if you got any yeah, memories yeah, yeah. with that. Are you ready for that? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. First one... Uh, 45 East Chicago Avenue. That is on the corner of Chicago and Wabash. Um, Chicago Avenue. I I can't place that one specifically. That's where a uh, there's a Chick Fil A there. That's where the Red Robin is. Actually, no way. Avenue. Let's or go. Was. I don't think it's there anymore. Unfortunately, uh, Chicago Avenue is where um the uh the museum of contemporary art is it's where the old water tower is it's where water tower place is i can't picture this the 7-eleven there though which is i guess there's just so much other shit to look at in that part of town well you got to be looking at the 7-elevens because you we've been planning this bit for about five months so um your fault uh next one this is 1036 north dearborn on the corner of dearborn and west maple Mason, what are your thoughts? Uh, great 7-Eleven. I actually saw John Cusack in that 7-Eleven. He was getting one RX bar. Say He was getting what? One RX bar. One RX bar. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were, I thought maybe he was getting like a rhino dick pill supplement or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what maybe I figure everyone goes there to get. Maybe that's a little projecting. Um, We also have, <laughs> we also have... Hold up. I got you. I got in here. No one, no one be yeah. mad at me real quick. Uh, no one be really pissed off because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> we've got 600 North McClurg uh, Court, actually. McClurg Court, 
on McClurg between Ontario and Ohio. Mason, of course, this is near the Jardine Water Purification Plant. Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, um, you know, that's actually where the Chica- Great Chicago Fire started, was in that 7-Eleven. We're going to look at one more, and then we're going to move on. <laughs> and I think you're really going to like I think you're really going to like this one cuz I love it. I love this one. Mm-hmm. Mason, the last one that you're going to look at and I know I don't even really need to say it, but I'm going to. 180 North Franklin Street on Franklin oh. between Lake and and Couch. Are we saying Couch or Cooch cuz Portland it would be Cooch. I'm not familiar with it. I I'm not sure. I want to say Couch maybe. What was it was what was the North South Street again? Well, I guess it's on Franklin, but I guess more the major street would be Randolph. It's between Fra- it's on oh. Franklin between Lake and Randolph. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I actually think that the the, the Kennedy family owned that Seven Eleven. Um, maybe not anymore. Maybe they sold it. Uh, but the Kennedys actually did own that Seven Eleven for a period of time in the mid to late nineties. Um. Uh, so yeah, interesting history with that Seven Eleven. Uh, that's where they actually keep JFK's brain. I people are like, "Where's JFK's brain? What happened to JFK's brain?" It was there, at least in the nineties. Perfect. That concludes our first Seven Eleven segment of the show, where we talk about Chicago Seven Elevens. Now we're going to transition into Los Angeles Seven Elevens. Mason, right. are you ready? Okay. Yes, because. I don't actually have a ton of... I Yes, yes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Perfect. We're going to speed run this one. First, Northeast LA. Perfect. We got Figaro and 52nd. That's the one... I almost said something really doxing just there. I'm just going to say, I like that 7-Eleven. It's a cool 7-Eleven. Oh, very cool. cool. Mason, any, any, any memories at the 52, Avenue 52 and Figueroa 7-Eleven? I got a Gatorade there once. Perfect. Uh, this one, York and Avenue 54... Went there when school got out one day, and there was a huge long line, and all I wanted to get was my Big Gulp. Mason, any memories uh, of that one? Yes. See, I was behind you in line that day, and I wanted to get some Funyuns and a Big Gulp. Perfect. We're going to actually transition to the west side, even though it's not showing Ooh. me any any 7-Elevens past, past Koreatown for some fucking reason. You know what? Actually, fuck it. We'll go downtown. This one's at 810 Flower Street. Downtown. Oh. This is the one. This is Mason. This is actually where we recorded our first episode of that the is, podcast. Yeah, that's where we met. Yeah, that's where yeah. we met. You, you being like, hold on, I got to sit in the back and watch Stalker for three hours because I didn't do my fucking homework. That was you that day. Because uh, I was coming back from a long road trip and I was a sleepy, sleepy head. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a funny bit, <laughs> but I don't think we need to do it anymore. Uh... Let's let's check the vibe on that one. I'd be okay if it came back at some point, but I'm not in any rush to return to it. Yeah, maybe maybe in like a month. Uh, welcome to what's on the list. This is the podcast about uh, the fuck underrated music, albums, movies, Family Guy, Seven Eleven, the whole shebang. It's the, the whole damn shebang. The city of Los Angeles. Yeah, this is a geography podcast. Uh, if you're studying for your fourth grade <laughs> geography test about Chicago or Los Angeles, this is actually one of the best resources out there, and it's free. Can you fucking yeah. believe we put this shit out for fucking free to help these kids every week? I can't. I it it it's we lost a Nobel Prize again, unfortunately. Like they keep dangling in front of us, like we're like it's a fucking carrot on a stick, saying here's your Nobel Prize. We're putting this this podcast out for free but they keep ripping it out of our hands ripping it out of our sight it's not fair yeah they're giving it to the fucking guys who made the vaccine for COVID-19 yeah fucking fucking listen what do you need more 
in your life? A free episode of this podcast or two shots and then two weeks after the second shot to be to be inoculated against COVID-19? I, it's a toss-up at that point. It's a toss-up. Well, you, we get, you get this podcast every week, give or take, a couple weeks, and you get your shots twice. So, like... Which, and if you need it, really, you get a third shot, and that's fine. You can get yeah, a third shot if you need it. If you need it. If you need it. But I'm saying that, like, we, we you know, this is a, a... The return on investment on this thing, you know, every single week you get a new episode of this podcast. When are you going to get your next booster shot? No one can tell you this. I don't think that that's very um, forthright, forthcoming, very positive, very... Uh, uh, you know, I gotta plan my week out sometimes. I don't know if I'm gonna need to chunk some time out to get a third booster shot and then deal with those side effects, but I do know that I gotta get this podcast out every week, and you know to listen to it every Friday or whenever at your own leisure, whenever you listen to it. My name is Noah Marger, and with me as always is Mason. Hi, Mason. Hello, hello, hello. You know what, Mason? I say let's just dive in, because we got a lot to talk about today. We got three things to talk about today. We got three things. This is a classic sort of modification situation where we have a short film, a feature-length film, both picked by me, and then an album picked by Noah. So why don't we start with the short subject this week, which is Dustin Guy Defa's short film editing available on Mubi. Snap, 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 snap. This is a triple-decker, folks. You mm-hmm. love it when we go triple decker mode. You can't fucking believe it. Let's get a little bacon on it. that triple decker. Let's go. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's and let's me in the bathroom those... shitting out this triple decker of an episode after after about you know ninety minutes of recording with it's you. A real mm, KFC, yes. Real KFC double down this episode. <laughs> let's go full. Let's go, dude. You know what's crazy? I went to a subway. Or fuck this. Fuck this shit for just one second. I went to a subway for like the first time, like in a subway for the first time in a long time. Because uh-huh. it was just, I just had the hankering for shitty sandwiches the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get, at least at this location, there's something more than a foot long now. It's like called like a foot long extreme or like a foot long plus or something. And I'm going to quickly I, do a quick Google. I don't think they've, that's made its way to my subway. Um, that's <laughs> so fascinating. I'm Okay. Uh, it's called yeah. the Subway Foot Long Pro, and it's a new promotion. This is off Chewboom.com. Subway is running folks at Chewboom. (laughs) Thank you to thank you to the fine folks at Chewboom for sponsoring this and every episode subsequently. Uh, Subway is running a new promotion where you can go pro and get double the protein meat for two dollars more at participating locations. The Hmm. offer is valid on the purchase of any footlong sandwich or any one of the new brands protein bowls. This was on January 2nd of 2021, <laughs> so I've been doing this for a fucking while, and I only was privy to it, like, last month. Isn't that crazy? I haven't noticed it. Yeah, that is crazy. I haven't noticed it at mine yet, but next time I go in there, I'll, I'll take a peek. I'll ask the folks behind the counter if they're, if they're participating in that promotion. Okay, so if you go to the—please let them know and please report back. If you go to r slash Subway, uh, this was three months ago, posted by yeah. user a hooker in Minneapolis— in my Subway app, there is an option for a new Cali Fresh Steak Sandwich. The app defaults to the $15.89 footlong pro Holy version shit. of the sandwich, 
What is a pro sandwich and what makes it cost nearly $5 more than anything else on the menu? Would you like to know what the top <laughs> Would you like to know what the top reply to this Mason is? Yeah, I'm just processing just the the <laughs> thought of spending $15 on a Subway sandwich first and from, foremost. From user Big Cheese, pro is now the worst for double meat. <laughs> And then replied from Oakland, Minneapolis, thanks for the info. That pro is now the word for double meat comment. Has 25 upvotes. <laughs> thanks oh. to, to you, Big Cheese, for their fine investigative work on not only uh, what Subway Pro means, but also for finding the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> Snowy Cube said, who decided that double meat isn't good enough? Probably the same person that decided to name it pro instead. What's so professional about it anyways? And then Big Cheese coming right back in with, it's part of the marketing campaign. Thank you, Big Cheese, for keeping us honest. Thank you, Big Cheese, for keeping us honest. Indeed. I'm Mason, I'm not kidding you when I say I'm going to text you this link, and I really would like you to put it in the week's show notes. Can you do that? For the Subway thing? Yeah, for the r slash Subway footlong pro thread. Uh, Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Quote, footlong pro, unquote. <laughs> I just need people to be looking at that shit. That's too good. Uh, anyway, Mason, what's the name of the short film that we're talking about today? Editing by Dustin Guy Defa. Defa? I'm not sure. I say Defa. That's what I'm going to say. All right. Okay. Um, This is, like, pretty damn new, so did you watch this on movie and you were just like, time to bring it on the show? No, I saw it on movie and I thought it would be fun to bring on the show, sight unseen. <laughs> oh, so you went stinker mode without telling me. Congratulations oh, once yes. again. Yes. He, 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 he. He, he, he. Um... Do you have any history with No, but this is curious because I mentioned this guy and you had some history with him or he sounded somewhat familiar to yeah. you. I just went off like just the premise I thought was interesting and I wanted to kind of have an excuse to bring it off the list and onto the show. But have you seen something by this guy before? Yeah, I watched. So when you first told me the name of the short, I actually thought I had seen it before because I watched a short that he did called Review which is like people mm. talking about the movie Taxi Driver in black. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And I remember watching that and thinking, okay, not for me. Uh, mm. And just sort of being Was there like, anything like interesting in that short or was it really just people talking about Taxi Driver? There must have been something that made it like pop and I just right. don't remember because it just did not stand out to me past the first viewing of it or not. Uh, so yeah, I watched that at one point. But he also has made a feature film called Person to Person, which came out, mm. I believe, in 2017. And I did see that as well. I think that was on Hulu for a while, around, right in and around the time it had come out originally. And I remember liking it. I think mm. I only really checked it out because Benny Safdie was in it. Like, I think truly mm. that was probably, like, the reason why I watched it in the first place, because I think he's actually an insanely good actor, you know, all things yeah. considered. Um, yeah. And I remember liking it. I remember thinking it was very, like, slight- like, I was like, okay, this is, like, very just, like, slight and very, like, gentle at times, but also, like, emotionally intense at times. Like, it kind of walked this weird line between being, like, emotionally intense, but also just, like, 
why did the, why did someone make this? Like a little bit. Right. Like there were times where I thought that, and times where I thought the latter. Um, but I ultimately enjoyed it for what it was. I haven't really thought about it a ton since, but I always remembered the name because it's a three name name. You know, Dustin mm-hmm. Guy Defa. Uh, and I know that he just sort of floats around in that scene a little bit. I think he does some acting. I think he does some editing. I think he obviously he does some directing. So just sort of a name that I've known for the last couple of years as being like a guy. Um, so that I do have actually some history with him in terms of his films, but I don't think you do besides this. Uh, that is true. I don't. Again, I just kind of saw the the title and the general premise, like the kind of copy on movie about the, um, uh, about the short. And I was like, cool, I could, I just, I'm kind of curious to check this out. Um, and it wasn't quite what I was expecting. I don't think it was quite what was on the tin on the movie, uh, on, on movie there. Um, uh, cause it's a little more like kind of formally experimental than, um yes. what the the description was and forgive me audience while I pull up and vamp uh the t- well, what? what it says on movie um I kind of thought it was going to be there's some other I think it's like some like horror movie or something called the editor or something like that do you know what I'm talking about no I don't mm, well, maybe I'll need to look that up in a second here uh so editing uh, is what it so it says uh, a woman is confronted by a stranger who believes she's been she's been edited out of their story and I thought that this is going to be some sort of like in my head I thought it was going to be like some kind of like meta I guess it is ends up being like a meta thing on on the process of editing on uh, at least just film editing and things like that um, but I thought it was going to be like even more like kind of self aware like like the the edited out character was kind of like confronting the filmmakers or something but it's kind of its own self you know it's kind of its own self-contained thing um it starts you know with a shot of a a woman walking down the street on his phone and then um there's these sort of um there's this there's these moments of just like darkness and silence edited in between this woman like reacting to something or just like kind of standing there or like communicating to someone who's off screen who we don't know yet and then the movie kind of right now wrong bends us yeah i was just about to say this is a hong sang su bag of tricks kind of thing yeah 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 uh dustin guy defaws on that sang su shit (laughs) he's on that shit and he's also he's on the mason train because it's obviously it's hong sang su but it's also brief encounter shit too a little bit uh but anyways a little bit a lot of it I, when I think brief encounter, I I stuff has like a brief encounter character. that happens off camera that we don't see, and then we're having a second brief encounter. Uh, I'll think about that one. I want to keep moving forward with this, but basically the film restarts, and then we see the full conversation. Um, what was like kind of missing from that, and then it just kind of um, kind of ends. There's only two actors in this. Um, it is uh, Hannah. Uh, Gail Rankin plays the primary uh, actor in this movie. Uh, she's in a blue shirt. Hannah Gross plays the um, sort of second part, who's in an orange sweater. And Hannah Gross is, if you go on movie, you'll see um, her character there. Um, but it's kind of, um, 
it's a little more self-contained than I think I was necessarily expecting. Um, but at the end of it, you know, I think it's it's kind of tickled the more like, oh, that was interesting part of my brain than the, oh, this is like a satisfying emotional experience yes. kind of thing, you know? Um, it's very, like, film schooly. Like, I think it's, like, kind of self, um, self-consciously, like, making a comparison to that. Uh, all your, our film 101 heads out there will know the Kuleshov effect. Um, or even if you watch have any, that fucking written down in my notes. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, or like you've seen any like YouTube essay on editing and the kind of the process of editing, you'll know what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's I, it, I think that the um, I don't think that it is as cerebral or intense or kind of um, uh, uh, keeps an audience at a distance quite like something like Dillinger is Dead, where that's kind of just like all head head shit and all art and all avant garde stuff. Because I think it, you know, at the end of the day. The short is about, like, kind of an awkward encounter. It's kind of about, like, uh, I feel like you've, like, I've definitely been on both sides of this this spectrum here where either, um, you know, someone's trying to talk to me about something that they think, like, a, a story that we've shared, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't, I, doesn't quite sound familiar to me, doesn't sound correct, or I've ran into someone in the street that I thought was like a friend or someone that I knew or I met briefly and it's absolutely not them. Uh, but again, it's not like, I think kind of by design, I didn't like get a kind of deeper emotional reaction out of it other than, Oh, I guess that was kind of interesting. Um, but that was me. what do you think about this? Um, yeah, it's fine. It's worth watching yeah. once. It's, you know, it's, it's really not fun to watch for the first half. It actually, like, is extremely, like, hard to watch based on the sort of trick that they're doing. And I was like, okay, let's see how, you know, let's see where this is going, everyone. Um, but the payoff is somewhat worth it, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I always like, a, you know, subtextual saying, not saying the thing they really want to say, but saying the thing that is getting them as close as they can to saying the thing that they want to say. And I felt that between the two actors uh, in this, I think they did a good job. You know, I think that they're talented and obviously, you know, there is that sort of like hoping that maybe they can, you know, one of the actors is maybe hoping that they can rekindle, you know, this relationship. I read it as sort of this, you know, fleeting romantic want. Um, And the other actors not willing to go there for whatever reason. Uh, Maybe Mm -hmm. she's not comfortable with her, sexuality, you know, who knows, any number of reasons. It's very open-ended in that in that regard. Um, but I don't need to watch this ever again. You know, it is what it is, and I'm probably not even going to recommend people watch it, to be honest with you, because, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's eight minutes long, so it's not like you have to fucking sit there, you know, through some arduous two-and-a-half-hour or three-hour epic, but yeah, even, even for the eight-minute runtime, it's just, okay, cool, you know? Okay, it feels, yeah, it feels like, you know, okay, cool experiment more than it does like satisfying, you know, short film. So to coin sort of how to talk about it in the terms that you were talking about it before. But, uh, I think both the actors are very talented. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, Kuleshov. Yep. That first half is all Kuleshov. If you never heard of the Kuleshov effect, more or less what it is, is showing something on screen and then cutting back to a, blank stare or you know just something that is 
you know, neutral, more or less, something that's not giving off a certain kind of vibe or a certain kind of emotion. And we as an audience, based on what we see before cutting back to that person giving a blank expression, will attribute our own meaning to it based on what we saw right before. So if you cut to, like, a fancy feast, you know, like a Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, and then cut mm. back to, like, a guy just being having a blank stare, we're probably going to think he's hungry. Or if you see someone fucking fall down the stairs, you know, or whatever, and then you cut back to a guy yeah. motionless, you know, we're probably going to think, oh, he's trying not to laugh because he thinks it's funny or maybe concerned or whatever for this person. So that's Kuleshov in a nutshell. You, now you now you can watch this movie and know the trick, and that's if you didn't know it before. Uh, I don't have a lot more to say about this other than it was fine. I don't, I'm not going to recommend this, but it is what it is. I uh, I don't have much more to say about it either. Uh, it very, I, I think that if you have a movie subscription uh, and you're just like kind of scrolling through something to watch just to kill 10 minutes, for lack of a better term, this is, might be the thing to do, but I don't think that you should like go out of your way or get a movie subscription just to watch um, this short in particular. Uh, I think the two performances are great. Um, Hannah Gross, you might actually rec- recognize from uh, the first season of Mindhunter. Gail Rankin's also been in uh, like Her Smell and a couple of other things. Uh, I think they do give very strong um, performances. Uh, but again, this is more of a falls under the kind of, oh, that's interesting. So I'm going to give it like a light conditional recommend on sort of those merits. Um, but it's not like um, I'm not going uh, gaga for it, you know. Um, but, you know, all things being equal, happy that it got made. And I could think of worse ways to spend 10 minutes. Sure. After watching, yeah. I mean, I'm know. all for people experimenting and, you know, doing their thing and whatever. So I'm never going to be like, he shouldn't have made this. This, you know, why yeah. did this exist? Yeah. It's always cool when people are experimenting with the form and trying to, you know, do something different. I commend that. I just, you know, I don't have a lot of feelings about this other than, okay, I watched it kind of boring for the first half. Performances are good. Say la vie. That's life, I guess. You know, that it is what it is. Say la vie. Mm-hmm. But Mason, I know that this is a short and usually we do some fast fact type shit. Uh, also my Mercedes valuable player is Gail Ruskin. Uh, mine as well. Perfect. Uh, I want to do this somewhat quickly, but there's not a ton of info about Dustin Guy Defa out there. There's some interviews that he's done, but I thought this would be kind of fun. In 2017, he did a top 10 list for the Criterion website. Oh, very um, cool. And so I just want to quickly, he lists his 10 films here, and this is what, it's, this is what, it, this is what, this is what we got. Dustin Guy Defa's top 10. This is from August 2nd, 2017. Dustin Guy Defa's first feature, Bad Fever, was named one of the best films of 2012 by The New Yorker. His short films, Person to Person and Family Nightmare, premiered at Sundance and won awards at the Berlinale, South by Southwest, and Hot Docs. In 2015, the Film Society of Lincoln Center presented a week-long theatrical run of his short films. His second feature, Person to Person, is being distributed by Magnolia Pictures. This was some press going into the release of Person to Person in 2017, and these are his top ten. When people do this, they're specifically talking about top 10 criterions, right? I think so, yeah. So this is what we got. Number 10. I'm just going to fly through these because I want to make sure we have time to talk about everything else and not have this episode mm-hmm. be a million and a half years long. Uh, number 10, All That Heaven Allows. Uh, great movie. Love it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one? I have seen that one. Great movie. Love it. Number 9, Camera Person by Kirsten Johnston. Or Johnson, excuse me. Not seen that one. 
that that tracks. I have not seen that movie all the way through, uh, but that kind of tracks given his. Well, that's all I want to say. That tracks. Moving on. Number eight, Alan King's A Married Couple. I've never seen it, but a good friend of mine loves that movie very much, so it's been on my list for a long time. Not seen it. Moving on. Uh, number seven, Mike Lee's Naked. Haven't never seen it all the way through. Got a little bored with it when I tried to watch it the first time, but I want to give it another shot one day. And I, I don't actually know if I've ever seen a Mike Lee, to be honest with you, all the way through. Uh, I was just thinking, I think the only Mike Lee that I've finished is Happy Go Lucky, but I want to look at his um, filmography again, just because that guy's makes a lot of movies. Naked is also a movie that I have started but never got finished all the way through because... Uh, well, I think I have a tolerance for repellent protagonists. Uh, sometimes people are so repellent in movies that it really does just test your empathy, and I am not up for that all the time. But I think it's still worth a shot. Uh, David Thewlis is incredible in it. Yeah, he's an amazing actor. He, he kind of, honestly, kind of underrated actor, to be honest with you. Agreed. Uh, number six, this is a really short blurb that he puts. There's blurbs that go along with all of these, but... I don't want to read all of them and, you know, keep going for something like this, but this one's really short. Number six, mm-hmm. Broadcast News, directed by James L. Brooks. Great Let's movie. go. Fucking awesome movie. Great uh, movie. To, Dustin says, to me, it's a perfect movie. It's one of my favorite screenplays of all time, and Holly Hunter gives one of my favorite performances of all time. Cool. Let's go. Yeah. Number five, I'm actually curious if you've seen this. I wonder what you think about this movie. Uh, Terry Zweigoff's Crumb. Have you seen that? <laughs> Uh, I really like that movie. Uh, I love just uh, really like that movie a lot. Uh, I love just just how fucking weird and specific Robert Crumb is just real freak shit. Uh, His and like the, the shit with his family, too, is just so sad and kind of disturbing, Um, unlike any other documentary but like a truly just like I think like just kind of a great American documentary like just love it love it love it love that movie how do you feel about that movie yeah it's really good I don't ever want to watch it again though uh number Mm. four Barry Lyndon never seen it never seen it either Stuff we got a lot of. We're really telling on ourselves here. Stuff we should be putting on our list. I think I don't care about. I I don't care about Barry Lyndon. Who gives a fuck? I don't care. I Uh, hear it's great. Fine. I'm never. I'll probably never watch it. To be honest with you. Number three, Mulholland Drive. Great. Great. Great movie. My favorite weird Lynch. Probably. Mm Hmm. That's yeah. Uh, Number two, one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. Uh, Close Up by Abbas Kiarostami. Yeah. There we go. That's the stuff. Uh, and number one, also one of the greatest movies ever made, uh, Steve James's Hoop Dreams. Classic Chicago movie. Classic Chicago movie. Um, a big shame. Big blind spot for me. That movie oh, is dude. just... I know. I know I would love it because it's about the Bulls. It's about Chicago. Uh, it is also three hours long and it's like one of the big like kind of Roger Ebert movies. You know, like the one that I think of when I think of like stuff that's just on my radar because of his recommendation. It's that movie. Um, but like, uh, I'm just really lazy. And sometimes, uh, if I'm setting aside three hours for something, I want two of those hours to be dedicated to going on a walk. <laughs> um, I got to do it though. I got to put a time aside for it. Maybe this winter. Yeah. It's, you got to dedicate an afternoon to it basically. Um, but the good news is Mason, we can watch things on our phone now. So you can walk around the city of Chicago and watch hoop dreams. Just, just in, like Steve time. James intended, just like yeah. Steve James intended. 
And if you had your DS Lite or your DSi, hell, maybe you could watch it on one of those bad boys, too. Oh, um, yeah, brother. I'll, I'll read this blurb just because it is his number one. He says, when people ask me what my favorite movie is, Hoop Dreams is always a safe bet for me. It's the one I can say with confidence that will always be in my top ten and won't go away. It's another movie about family, and it's also a movie about aspirations, hard work, reality, and not having money. It's just a beautiful, poignant movie. Let's Amen. Go. Let's go. Amen. Uh, that's it, right? We're done? <laughs> We're done talking about that. Uh, let's move on to the album now. William Shatner mm-hmm. has been by Mr. William Shatner himself. Snap, 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 snap. It's a Noe pick. Of, yes, with a bevy of um, collaborators. Yeah. Most notably Ben Folds throughout the entire thing. Yeah, Ben Folds has the the credit on the the album cover there. Um, but Amy Mann shows up, Joe Jackson, Henry Rollins. Um, I want to say Blake Shelton, or am I thinking of some other guy? No, you're thinking of Brad pa- Brad Paisley. Thank you. Yes, Mister Nationwide is on your side. Is that true? I think he's on those commercials. Nationwide will suck your cock. <laughs> Literally just You're going goddamn just re- right, brother. <laughs> reverting back to fucking just fucking elementary school. With do you remember the maybe this was a regional thing? Did you guys have Mattress World in Chicago, or is that no, a regional I mean, thing? Oh, um, I I think so. I think was, so. You might remember the commercials because their whole slogan was "It's not too late to sleep like a baby." Mattress World. Oh, then maybe I don't know if we did. I don't remember that. Okay, that must have been a that must have been a local, regional, like Pacific Northwest slash maybe just my local area like company. But I remember in elementary school it was really funny to parody that as always like it's not too late to poop your diaper, mattress world. That was just a classic elementary school. <laughs> classic <laughs> elementary school bit. So love doing that. Uh I'm looking at the Mattress World logo. We did not have this. Uh, I was thinking of Mattress Firm, which is the nationwide... Um, yeah, that's different. That's like a fucking national different. company. Yeah. Uh, Mason, mm-hmm. this is a my pick, so I'll ask mm-hmm. you first. What's your history with this? I am only familiar... Before you brought that... It's, uh, suggested this album, I was only familiar with the Common People cover. Um, I had heard yeah. it, I think, before I'd heard the, the Pulp original, and it kicked me towards um, the band Pulp, which is a great, I think, underrated band, uh, at least stateside. Um, and I thought, um, but of, uh, uh, um, so I heard that cover, I think maybe in middle school, kicked me towards Pulp, um, listening to a little bit then, and then uh, also the classic, the classic William Shatner um, uh, Rocket Man cover oh, sure. as well. You know, so that was kind of the space that this, that song, and then this, I got, if I thought about the album, I kind of had it categorized in their sound unheard of, um, what it was going to actually be like. Uh, and I am grateful. It's important to mention though, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, are they actually talking about like Captain James T. Kirk, William Shatner? We actually are talking about the man himself uh, the, the one and only yes um and i was gonna say that i was uh, really i thought that this was going to be either a a um before not to get too deep into it um uh, this album is not a covers album and it's also not as um no 
Yeah, it's not a covers album, uh, and I was a little nervous when you suggested it. I was like, ah, fuck, I gotta listen to this covers, this novelty covers album, but that's not what it is. So why don't no. you tell the folks at home why uh, you wanted to bring this on the show. So I had never heard the Common People cover, which is the only cover on the album, uh, until summer this year, summer 2021. It was during my trip uh, across the U.S., uh, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I was listening to an episode of one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, see what I did there, Mason? Uh, you listening to me? Uh, <laughs> listening to my fucking voice, dude? Um, I was listening to Yeah But Still, a uh, great right. podcast hosted by Brandon Wardell and Jack Wagner. And they had just, on a on a whim, just as like a side conversation, were talking about the common people cover by... William Shatner and Jack Wagner was like, yeah, that album actually is fucking awesome. That's like, and people like don't want to give it the credit it deserves because, you know, oh, William Shatner doing an actual album is maybe sort of cringe, you know, maybe to some people. But he was mm. saying like, damn, this album, this album actually is good. And I was like, I got to check out this Common People cover. I didn't know the song Common People by Pulp. I didn't know the cover of Common People by William Shatner feat Joe Jackson. So I checked it out. And I had just gone off from a long day of being in sort of the Broadway area of Nashville where the old uh, theater, the Ryman, where they used to hold the Grand Old Opry was, going in between different bars, hearing all the acts in different bars. Nashville is one of my favorite cities that I've ever been to in my life. I absolutely love that place and can't wait to go back one day. Um, and I just remember it was I was tired, my legs hurt, I was sweating my little asshole off, mm-hmm. and... I was eating some ice cream. I was eating some Jenny's ice cream. So I got some fucking weird yeah, ass we flavor of ice cream. And I was sitting, <laughs> I was sitting like on the ledge of like, like one of those just like scrolly like advertisements or whatever that like sits outside of like malls or whatever. Cause this was like a mall like complex that I had parked in and was like going to walk back to my car. And I just remember putting the song on and being like, oh, this is like not what I expected to hear at all. Like it like, from the second, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is crazy. I've never even heard the cover. I've never even heard the original of this. So I'm sweating. It's like 90, 95 degrees out. Even at like, it was probably like 80, like high 80s. It was late at night at that point. And I'm just like, fuck, this is amazing. And then some woman's like, you can't sit there. You have to get up. You have to get up. You can't sit there. You have to get up. You have to get up. I was like, fuck. And I just like got up and like didn't say anything to her. And I'm just listening to this song. And it starts building to such an intense point. And I'm like, by myself in this place I've never been before. And I think it's my last night there. And I'm like, damn, this song is so good. What a way to like leave Nashville, like hearing this song for the first time, about to hit the road, head somewhere else, driving across Tennessee, which is such a beautiful state. So that was the first time I had heard this song. And then that song, Mm -hmm. or that anything from that album, and heard that song. And I was like, okay, this song's like now in my rotation in a heavy way. So I started listening to that song a lot more often, especially when I was on the road. Uh, and then when I got back to LA, it was one of the songs that I was listening to a lot when I got back to LA as well, kind of took a break between when the road trip stopped and getting back to LA. And I was like, I just got to listen to this whole album at, at this point. I got to like see, like, I got to crack this, you know, I got to crack this nut open and taste it, you know, for whatever it is, however it tastes. And I was really surprised how much I liked the album as a whole. I think it's really sort of disarming. You know, at a certain level, because I don't, you know, you have certain expectations about what it might be, and then you listen to it, and you're like, I don't know if this is what I thought it was going to be. I don't even know if I thought I would like whatever it was, 
But I was just so impressed with this album, kind of on everybody's front, even Bill Shatner, who's not really a singer. He's really just speaking, you know, words and at times doing a little sing-song talking stuff. But it's it's a really, I think this is a really good album. And I think this people just kind of pass it by because of the fact that it's a William Shatner thing and they just think of him very theatrically talking about Rocket Man. So that's my history with it. I wanted to bring it on the show because I genuinely do think this is like truly an underrated album, like in every sense of the word. So that's what's up. <coughs> uh, I had to hawk a little loogie there. Um, I, uh, I would this, so, you know, because I am older than you, because I am ageless, because I am one of Marvel's The Eternals, which is also yeah. one of the reasons why, you know, Chloe Zhao um, gave us the okay to be the official podcast of Marvel's The Eternals because I have existed it's based since on you. time. Yes, it's based on me. In any case, I kind of had that that sort of same mindset that you were just describing there where I was like, if William Shatner was anybody in my mind before listening to this album, he was either Captain Kirk or the rocket, the funny Rocket Man guy, or um, you know, just kind of the Priceline guy, the Priceline, yes, the Priceline negotiator, yes, uh, um, or just like some like sort of like, like, uh, like, or, or um, him on SNL uh, in that classic bit where he like tells yes. the truckies to like get a life or whatever, yes. or truckers Cla- to, like get a ama- life, amazing sketch, amazing, amazing sketch. sketch. Um, and you know, so I was going to get to the point where it's like, he's kind of this, like, um, this, this ironic figure, but he's also like this guy that's kind of in on his own joke, you know, joke, quote unquote. Um, and I think that, you know, had I considered that going into this album, um, before going to this album, I think I would have been less surprised at just like how disarming and sincere it was. Um, which is really my, um, sincere and I think, um, I'm just getting to the point that I really, really like this album. I was really kind of, after giving it two listens, surprised and delighted at how much I, I liked this album and liked really? most of the songs on here. I really liked it's, it. It's, it's actually really good. And like, it's, it's really good <laughs> of like, of like a lot, you know, obviously we just did our two year anniversary. We talked more or less about like. I don't think you and I had any overlap on our lists, maybe yeah, in, yeah. like, the honorable mentions or whatever. But We like, had an overlap in the week. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like true. That, we had an overlap in the week. week. of that year, of that show. <laughs> um, but more or less, we talked about, like, a really decent amount of the things that had been brought on in the last yeah. year, you know, of, of doing the show. And it's one of those albums that, like, even though that we get things brought on this show all the time that maybe we've never heard of or maybe we don't think we're going to like or maybe we never even considered listening to, this is truly one of the things that we've brought on the show in the entire time we're doing it where it is it is like important to say, like, guys, this actually is good. Like, actually, like, lose your, you know, get over yourself a little bit and just yeah. listen to it because it's can- actually good. I, I think that you look at I, – I, I have been in this position. I was in this position when you suggested this because I was like, am I really going to have to listen to this fucking novelty album? Like, what's going on with this? And I put on the cover, Common People cover, which I, I had heard before, and I was like, this is really good. Um, uh, uh, this is really good. And then it goes right into um, It Hasn't Happened Yet. And he's, like, talking about, like, just his life, basically. Um, and I'm like, okay, like – 
I guess it's I, not I what you know, expected. It's not what you expect. No, I think this album is is really good at surprising you, like kind of on a track by track basis. Um, Absolutely. And I think that, like, again, like William Shat, like, I think also, like, I I had you know this, and I was like, okay, William Shatner, he's going to be doing like the kind of funny um, uh, delivery, the kind of like funny uh, kind of or like as culture has decided or as like, you know, jaded Gen Xers or whoever like was influencing like my kind of framework of this guy ahead of time, like this kind of like uh, uh, a pompous kind of guy, but he's like, no, he's like an actually a, like you forget that he's a very gifted performer. Yes. hundred <laughs> you know, percent. You know, and it's like maybe his, some of his deliveries of, of like line deliveries or his performance of Captain Kirk is like kind of funny, I guess, but that's a character that's endured for 60, almost 70 years in no small part because of his performance. Like you watch the initial pilot, of Star Trek, and they have some other motherfucker up there that doesn't have, like, the charisma or the swagger that uh, that uh, old Bill Shatner has, and, like, almost as soon as William Shatner comes in and like, I think the second episode or something like that, the show just flips, and it, I don't know if it quite finds itself right away, but it becomes, like, more recognizable. Um, but again, it's, like, just, it's this cultural thing where there's this, like, sort of, um, uh, uh, um, expectation or read or whatever of this this guy that he's kind of like silly um but no he's like a really gifted performer and actually a really gifted like prose writer or poet or whatever you know and it's just like all of that shit aside it's just a good album a hundred percent i'm glad i'm glad you feel that way um because i agree with you a hundred percent i think that he is I'm about to say something, and maybe you won't agree with me this far, but I actually do believe this, so just listen for, to me for one time in your life. Uh, <laughs> okay. This, okay, Dad, okay. <laughs> this album yeah. is William Shatner's All That Jazz. I'm not going to agree with you that far. I will, I will well, not agree maybe with you, you will. that far. Maybe you will, because this is him cracking open his own perceived identity and showing you a who he really is and b showing you this is what you think of me maybe and here's how in the ways that you're right and here's the ways that you're wrong and being extremely vulnerable about his own depiction of himself which i think is an element of all that jazz even though we're not seeing bob fossey you know, we're seeing Gideon or whatever, Joe Gideon or whatever. Joe Gideon, name is. yeah. There's the the narrative distance. I think that, um, I think that that's a good point. I want to, I want to chew on it a little bit more. I also want to rewatch on it, jazz. And I'm going to talk more about this album then. Uh, oh. The this album is just sonically impressive because Ben folds is one of the greatest musicians living. I mean, straight up. The fact that he can pair all this music to match, like, William Shatner's thing, I don't think a lot of people could have done that in a way that didn't feel garish or mawkish, you know? It's very sincere and very to the point and really lets him... It really emphasizes the areas he's good at. Like, the song uh, Together which is the longest song on the album, I believe. It's just yes. this, like, 
building like ethereal sounding like it almost sounds like what you imagine like a like a person hears and sees and like thinks like as they're like entering the world like out of the womb it's like sounds like that like it's like very like ambient and builds and it's like very light and very heavenly and he's just talking underneath and it's very calming but also very intense at the same time like I don't know I don't I mean I'm sure maybe people could have done it but the fact that Ben Folds saw that potential in William Shatner to do something that wasn't just like silly you know or comedic or novelty off the bat is amazing to me so the fact that they were able to partner together and do that on this album is amazing and then, yeah. like like you said, sonically, it's very diverse. Common people, sort of like this, like, post-punk anthem. Uh, You'll Have Time is sort of like a cabaret-style song about, like, mortality and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you... Or That's Me Trying is sort of this, like, ballad looking back on, like, a failed relationship between a parent and a child. Familiar Love and Ideal Women are sort of, like, love songs, ultimately. Uh, I Can't Get Behind That is, like, an old crotchety man anthem. Real is a country song, and mm. has been is like a fucking like luchador entrance. I mean, the fucking sonic range of this album is nuts, and you can only do something like that. I feel like if you're working with Bill Shatner, who can go yeah. there so easily, and they even keep in those little production notes. And I can't remember which song it's on. I think it's on. I can't get behind that where he's like, "Bill, you good to do one more?" He's like, "Oh, you know, I'm always good to do one more." I'm yeah, and it's in a um, is it? Is it in Has Been or there? There's one song where he like starts singing, and then you hear like one of the collaborators, like just like a backup singer, or something to, like say like, "Oh, like he's we're we're ready to go again," you know? Like that's just there's this, this whole like kind of you you bring up a great point, and I think that it's like I think it is really easy to see how this album could go wrong, and that's like what I was nervous about ahead of time. You sure. know, like I was nervous that this is going to be like something that was a little too cutesy, a little too winky, a little too much like, oh, you know, we're look at this, old Bill Shantner's doing an album, you know, ain't that funny, ain't that ain't that yep. silly. But they the Ben Folds and the kind of like the satellite of the other collaborators in this in this album really just meet the material at its level um and take it seriously. Um which I think is like I, I don't want to say that that's more difficult, but I think that you it makes something like worth listening to and actually have like staying power when you're just with when you're like looking at the material like that and 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 keeping it seriously and keeping like uh, and like eager to work with William Shatner because like you know either you could be like kind of winky or insincere or you can kind of get like overwhelmed because at the end of the day William Shatner's like a huge star like he's been a celebrity sure. for 60 70 years he's 90 years old he's actually going to be if things go I, if things go according to plan i think he's going to be the oldest person in space come thursday or wednesday or something like that like he's getting shot he's going to take Oh a, really? A, yeah i think like on i was checking his wikipedia i don't know if this is still on actually but he's going to be on a, a manned space flight uh let me elon musk up. is fucking shooting him up into space for the meme of the whole thing <laughs> uh it would be the that would be the the one benefit to humanity elon musk had provided um let's see uh william shatner going to space npr space is opening up for people who are rich or uh, William Shatner is bound for space, but the rest of us will have to wait. That's fine. I don't have any uh, desire to go to space. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, space actor William Shatner is scheduled to blast off Wednesday morning on a quick trip to the edge of space and back, riding in the capsule developed by uh, Jeff Bezos's. Uh, so maybe old Jeff is, is shooting. Oh, uh, old space. Jeff is shooting him up into space for the meme instead. He's trying to steal Elon, Elon's swag about being the meme meme meister general. The meme, the meme. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. I think that that is exactly what. Jeff Bezos said in his pitch to William Shatner. Um, and Shatner all to went, say, this is a very... Sounds good a, to me! Yeah. <laughs> sounds good to me, Bill Shatner! He sounds like fucking Robin Williams for some reason. He's doing his... Robin Williams! Robin Williams! Oh, Bill Shatner! Robin Williams! Uh, all to say, this is a very apt choice for, for this week. Um, I, forgot the tr- I forgot the track that I was on before that, but... Um, That's okay. Um, Oh, I, I, I think it was like, uh, you know, it would be like either you get intimidated and you don't bring your all. Um, but especially with like the, as you called the crotchety old man, uh, sort of uh, like shouty kind of punk song. Um, I can't get behind that. Um, Henry Rollins sounds like he's having a blast, blast yes. just screaming about these like specific kind of turn of the millennium old man gripes, like 12 minutes for commercials in your TV show uh, yeah. and things like the that. The fucking it's student really... driver thing is so yeah. fucking specific and stupid. Just like, yeah. why do they got to learn how to drive on my roads? So you go to a parking lot <laughs> to learn how to drive and it's just like. Fuck off, bro. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're really, you're really getting mad at a student driver in, like, the fucking Hollywood Hills or whatever, like, Sherman Oaks. Like, come on, Bill. <laughs> yeah, fucking relax. Uh, the Zevon Mason of this mm. album, for me, mm-hmm. is the last track, uh, Real, which is mm. uh, William Shatner featuring Brad Paisley. And I'm not a Brad Paisley guy by any means. I actually don't even know if I could... Name a Brad Paisley song except for Accidental Racist, just because I know the name of that song from the fact that it's called Accidentally... I think it's called Accidental Racist or Accidentally Racist. It's Accidental Racist, and it is... um, It's like... (laughs) It's Accidental Racist. It's um, the closest thing in in sort of pop culture we have to it is the... um, Arrested Development, It Ain't Easy Being White, It Ain't Easy Being Frank. Oh, yeah. Or, yes, with Franklin. (laughs) The Franklin the Puppet song. Yeah. That's such a good fucking... uh, Uh, But it's like Brad Paisley and like LL Cool J, I want to say, like our dude did that song. So funny. So, so, so funny. Let's hold on. I'm uh, I'm going in. I'm going in to find out what's going on with Accidental Racist. racist. Yep. You're right. It's Brad Paisley and LL Cool J. Fuck. That is so fucking insane. Uh, that's the it's the modern day Ebony and Ivory is what they were trying to fucking pull off there. Um, it's a beautifully vulnerable song. I think that's probably I'm not going to say that this is my Mercedes valuable player of the whole thing because I do have other things I want to give that um, that designation to. Mm. But the thing I really just most appreciate sort of in terms of conceptual shit on the whole is how vulnerable Shatner is. On this album, he's vulnerable mm. about aging. He's vulnerable about love. He's vulnerable about, like you know, listen. Everyone's got problems. Joe Rogan has problems. Everyone has problems, no matter their fucking you know standing yeah. in the world. You know, they, maybe their problems are you know champagne problems, and maybe other people's problems are a little bit more like life and death. You know, yeah. But everyone has problems, and I really respect William Shatner for being like that guy. You think I am? I'm not even fucking close to that guy, you know? I think that yeah. takes a lot of humility to say that for someone who is 
originated one of the most famous characters of all time. And I'm not a Star Trek guy, like in terms of the TV stuff. I like the newer, I like the fucking J.J. Abrams 2009 Star Trek. Um, I actually liked the second one too, Into Darkness. I didn't see Beyond. Okay. Um, but I think that takes a lot of humility and a lot of wisdom and sort of a lot of, you know, grace to be able to come out and say that basically in a song. And I think Brad Paisley sounds really good in that song, you know. Well, there's a part of me, you know, in that guy you see. And I think the lyrics are cool. So that's the Zevon of this album for me. Not every album has to have a Zevon. You don't have to give a Zevon. But I do think that song is, like, deserving of some of the attention that common people got. Because that's sort of the... That's the track that blew up from this, you know? Yeah. And I do think that Real deserves a little bit of a glow up as well, a little bit of more of a spotlight on it than it gets. I can understand someone not really digging some of the other songs on this, but genuinely, outside of the context of this album, Common People and Real, I think, are bangers, like, on their own. Uh, Yeah, I gave Real the heart on Spotify. Um. I want to maybe listen to it a couple more times before I uh, give it, like, bestow upon it a Zevon. Um, but I do think that, you know, um, just kind of how good that Common People cover is kind of eclipsed. Um, you know, it, it makes sense that that's the one that got, like, super big. It, it maybe just, like, there's the first level, which is, like, the kind of novelty of, oh, you know, William Shatner's covering this um this this Brit pop song uh and he's giving his fucking all in it too um but i think that i think that there are more songs on here that that i like than i don't um is there anything on here that doesn't really do it for you the only one that really like the only one that really doesn't really do it for me in the sense that like i'll usually skip it now having listened to the album multiple times is it hasn't happened yet that's the only one that I'll like. Yeah. Usually skip, and I could probably go without. What have you done? Ultimately, you know, like I could probably go without that one, but yeah. I'll usually just throw this thing on. You know, listen to it. You know, on the whole. But if I'm being picky and choosy and really putting you know my faves on the line, gotta have common people. Gotta mm. have you'll have time. Gotta have together. Gotta yeah. have real, and. I'll say gotta have one of the two of Familiar Love and Ideal Women. To me, they're more or less the same song, to be honest with you. Uh, Agreed. My heart goes to Common People. I actually kind of liked It Hasn't Happened Yet, but that one kind of clicked for me on the second go. Uh, You'll Have Time, Together, Familiar Love, and Real, like I said. Sure. Um, Yeah, I... um, yeah, that's me trying. I just want to just point out, get it on the record. It was written by uh, Nick Hornby, the uh, critic. Oh, and really? Author. Yeah, the guy that wrote uh, High Fidelity and um, what's the other Nick Hornby uh, about a boy. Um, so that's that one. Um, I like the arrangement on that song. I like um, Amy Mann pops up as the female voice in that, but there is something like it's kind of the more pure, the most pure. Well, I don't even want to say pure performance because, well, there is like kind of a disconnect I feel with that song's intent, like kind of intended emotion in the delivery because it's one of the only ones, if not the only song that William Shatner didn't write that's not the cover, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just like kind of can't um, 
get into the the way that I can with other particular sure. songs there. Um, but I'm I'm with you, man. I think Together is a really beautiful song. Um, I uh, what have you done? Is all about like his uh, his his grief and his guilt around like the drowning death of his his wife. So it is kind of a heavy song in the middle of all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that his talking but about there vulnerability. Is some, there's some he- there's some heavy. I mean, this album's full of heavy topics. It's just yeah. that one's yeah. pretty direct as far as what it addresses. Right, but I will say, like, aside from the Common People cover, uh, I think Together is actually probably my favorite. Um, if I had to choose just one, because um, that's a really about, good song. It's yeah, it's all about um, uh, uh, getting yourself ready for love, and I think oh, that one he actually didn't write. I don't think everybody don't want to be, what the fuck? What am I, what's going on here? I don't know. What are you doing over there, bro? I'm just, I'm just checking to see. I'm just checking to see you. Mason, we have a fucking movie to talk about too. Uh, yeah, let's keep, anything let's, keep, else? let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yep. Is there anything else worth saying about this? I feel like we've covered it. Really good album. I think. Uh, don't turn your nose up on this one, folks. It's actually pretty reward, a pretty rewarding listen. Agreed. Uh, some fast facts has been is William Shatner's second musical album after 1968's The Transform Man. The album was produced and arranged by Ben Folds, and most of the songs are co-written by Folds and Shatner, with Folds creating arrangements for Shatner's prose poems and features guest appearances from Joe Jackson, Amy Mann, Lemon Jelly, that's the together person who shows up on that one, and they're fantastic, yes. whatever they do uh, on that. Henry Rollins and Adrian Ballou on I Can't Get Behind That, and Brad Paisley on Real, which he specifically wrote for Shatner. That's cool. Uh, Joe Jackson explained his involvement in an interview saying, quote, that came through Ben Folds, who is a big fan of mine. (laughs) That's such a weird thing to say in an interview. Yeah, I'm on this because Ben Folds is a huge fan of mine. Uh, You'd have to ask him how he got hooked up with Bill Shatner. I don't remember. But I think he did a really great job of putting an album behind Shatner that is fun and not completely cheesy, though when it is too cheesy, it is deliberately so. Laughs. It's just a very musically satisfying record, and when he asked me to part of, be a part of it, I said, why would I not? How could I refuse? I went to Nashville for a few days and hung out with the two of them, and we created a couple masterpieces. He ultimately said about working with Shatner, quote, he's wonderful, very musical, and very funny because he's so obviously in on the joke, as you said before, Mason. Uh, in 2007, a ballet called Common People, set to Has Been, was created by Margot Sappington of O Calcutta fame and performed by the Milwaukee Ballet. Shatner attended the premiere and had the event filmed. The footage became William Shatner's Gonzo Ballet, a feature film which premiered at the Nashville Film Festival in April of 2009. The documentary also features interviews with Shatner, Folds, and Henry Rollins. That I would like to I would like to get my hands on a copy of that. That sounds nuts. Yeah. Uh yeah, I I think that would be that would be a fun watch. You should bring it on the show. Yeah, we'll bring it on the show. Not Slam, crack, in the ground, fuck you. Shatner's musical career began in 1968 with the release of his first album, The Transformed Man. Shatner used the album to compare contemporary pop songs to the works of William Shakespeare by providing dramatic readings of Shakespeare's interspersed with dramatic readings of lyrics of songs such as Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and Mr. Tambourine Man. However, the first release was widely mocked and parodied for its unusual style. At the end of Mr. Tambourine Man, for example, Shatner suddenly shouts the song's title in a tortured voice. Shatner explained his album as an acting performance from the perspective of an LSD user related to how LSD is common abbreviation for Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. This piece of music was singled out by both Dave Barry and Mad Magazine and being in Mad Words, truly unfortunate. That's very mean. 
Uh, George Clooney, for instance, chose this one of his desert island discs he would bring along if marooned. As an incentive to leave the island, he said, quote, if you listen to this song, you will hollow out your own leg and make a canoe out of it to get off the island. That is fucking crazy. That is so fucked up. It's kind of rude, George. (laughs) Yeah, what the hell, man? Uh, In 2003 Music Choice poll, it was voted the worst Beatles cover of all time. Last but not least... In an interview in the September 21, 2004 issue of Newsweek, Shatner was asked, does it bother you that your version of Mr. Tambourine Man is a camp classic? He replied, yes. In the beginning, it bothered me that people singled it out and poked fun at it. They didn't know what I was doing. The album The Transformed Man is much more extensive than that song, but since people only heard that song, I went along with the joke. Gotta love that from Mr. Shatner for not having not having too much of an ego to be like, I can't, you know, I can't not understand what's going on here, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna give my I'm gonna give a co Mercedes valuable player for this. Got to give it to Common People. It's probably all things considered the best overall song on the album. It is probably the one that I go back to the most and will just play in the car. And then I'm also gonna give it to Ben Folds for orchestrating this whole fucking thing and the fact that he saw that and was like, I think that this could be actually good. And bringing in all the people that he did and being able to get Amy Mann and Lemon Jelly and Joe Jackson and all those people and Henry Rollins. So, got to give it to him as well. Giving it to Common People and Ben Folds. I'm a, and I wasn't going to give this a full recommend until we started talking about it, but I actually am going to give it a full recommend. This is a really yeah. good album. Hell yeah. I, uh, I'm i going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to the song Together um, and uh, Shatner's performance vocal performance on that very um restrained kind of gets out of the way of the music in a in a very productive way in a very kind of i think surprising way given that this is a his name is on the tin here like i said earlier Uh, i'm also going to give this a full recommend and you know what even though it's not an album that i would recommend every single song it doesn't pass the mace mcguire sniff test I'm going to give this a catfish because you know yes, what? Yes, bro. Let's go. Only Shatner could have made this. This is like only Shatner uh, could have made this. I think could have gotten this together. And um, it just wouldn't work with anybody else. With like the history that you're bringing in with this guy, with his own like kind of life, with just like his ability to, to um, you know, maybe more or less call people up and be like, hey, do you want to come or like have someone around that could do that for him and like have people be excited to work for him kind of a complete William Shatner project and I'm really 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 happy that it's like a ton of fun to listen to um at the end of the day here so yeah. yeah brother let's go Shatner catfish man oh stinky catfish no yummy catfish Mason exactly yummy exactly. yummy <laughs> yummy catfish with <laughs> has been William Shatner has been uh but Mason that's that's not all as you know no no, full-sized episode, a, a triple-decker, a double-down, uh, a foot-long foot pro. Long pro. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got next? Uh, we got Jeff Nichols' sci-fi, 2016 sci-fi road movie, Midnight Special. Snap, 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 snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noah? <laughs> Take the reins, Mason. Come on, baby. Drive us where we need to go. Noah. What? What's your history with this movie and Jeff Nichols? Had never seen this movie before. This was the first time I'd ever seen it. 
had only seen one Jeff Nichols movie uh, in my life prior to this. Watched it the summer between my junior and senior year of college. And that actually is Shotgun Stories, uh, which is, I know, not one of his more seen films. It was the first feature he ever did. And, you know, maybe you would have expected Mud or uh, what? I thought you would have seen Take Shelter. Yeah, I've only seen uh, Shotgun Stories and now Midnight Special. And I Mm. really like Shotgun Stories. It's been a minute since I've seen it, so the details of the movie are extremely fuzzy to me. But I sort of yeah. went back and read a pl- like a plot synopsis on Wikipedia or whatever, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that movie's fucking awesome." Uh, and I haven't seen Take Shelter, and I'd really like to see that. And I haven't seen Mud, and I know that's probably Mud is probably his most well known movie, probably like on the whole because of McConaughey. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen it, and I would like to see both those movies. I know he's from Arkansas. One of my good friends is also from Arkansas, and so I know that he's a big Jeff Nichols guy. You know, they're not from the same part of Arkansas. My friend is from the northwest corner where the University of Arkansas is. Go Hogs. And Jeff Nichols is from Little Rock. Go Little Rock. Go Clinton. Mm-hmm. Go Bill Clinton, who's from Little Rock AR. Uh, that is not an official position of this podcast. I will It's not. not an official position of this podcast, but it is an official position of Mason McGuire. So no worries. Um, so that's pretty much it. Um, not a ton of experience with Nichols on the whole, but I really like Shotgun Stories. And I didn't really know what this movie was about other than it was like, the child is special. That's all yeah. I really knew about it is that this is a movie where the child is special for some reason. And that's pretty much mm. it. What about you? What's your history? Uh, so, I've, so uh, it's really disappointing. Shotgun Stories used to be on Netflix, um, but my I'm doing some just watch research right now, and that doesn't even seem to be the case. It's not even on prime you can't even rent it on prime um Damn. mud yeah mud you can watch with a prime subscription i wanted to do it before this episode but i got caught up watching uh the white Sox uh clinch game three of the al the al division series there uh take Congrats, it white Sox. Take, t- take it away from uh the astros there um so but mud was a kind of like that came out 2013 so right when i was like in starting film school and it was like the sort of the part of like the sort of like base layer of the reconnaissance you know that uh yes he had yeah, a great i was, mean 2012 2013 that was that was an insane run it was so funny like like in elementary and high school or middle and high school it was like oh uh, mcconaughey this like washed actor who's only in these um romantic comedies it's just, like this kind of like these bad romantic comedies it's like kind of dopey smart guy it's like kind of he's just a pretty face with washboard abs and then like kind of the switch flipped and he's like wait he's the most respected actor yeah of the of the of his era right now um i love mcconaughey uh but I haven't seen mud i did see take shelter i think in maybe late I think late high school uh either like summer senior year going into freshman year um because I think my library had a copy of it on DVD and I remember it being like oh this is like I looking, th- no seriously look, looking, no I'm, I'm serious looking for a book and accidentally getting a DVD instead <laughs> uh and I really that was a movie that I saw like kind of at the at the perfect age for it to be like holy shit like it just like kind of blew my mind it was like yo they're still making these like good movies no man you know it's not just uh, yeah know. you know uh but that I think is a really really tremendous movie uh, and then I saw Midnight Special was, I believe, the second movie I ever saw at the Arclight Hollywood. First movie oh. I ever saw there was um, was uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, 
which I got saw for free, like because I was on the Arc Light. Also, a pretty Let's good go. movie. Pretty good movie. I, Ten I'm not gonna. Lane. I'm not even uh, joking you right now. Ten Cloverfield Lane is not only is it on my personal list to bring on this show at some Let's point. Let's go. I actually feel like the way I feel about Ten Cloverfield Lane is how you feel about this movie. Actually, that's it. so. I so you you read my initial. Letterbox review yes. like when I got it. Yeah, so I was really hot on that movie in 2016, and I wanted to bring it back on the show just to kind because I hadn't seen it in a while. And David Sims mentioned it on a recent episode of Blank Check when they were talking about Starman. Um, and I was like, I haven't seen this movie in a while. I'm curious just to kind of like check in on it. Sure. And also curious to see like how it resonates with sort of. Uh, I guess fresh eyes in the year of our uh, Lord 2021. Um, And here's what I will say. Uh, I think that uh, I still have quite a fondness for this movie, uh, but I think the, the bloom has fallen off the rose a little bit. And I think that the kind of um, it's, it's well, it took sort of those rose tinted glasses off just a tad, just a tad, just a tad. Just I had on my regular my regular tinted glasses. Just okay, tad. let's go. You can't see what's going on in these in this soul right here. Mason McGuire walking down Michigan Avenue, State Street, State Street, and Old East Eighth, going to Seven Eleven, saying, "Give me the." Give me the biggest. Give me the bathroom key. Give me the bathroom key. I got the gray sweatpants challenge going, and I'm about to fail big time. I'm about to ruin the gray sweatpants challenge for the all of hey, Chicago. It, uh, it's the gray sweatpants challenge, but it looks like I have a tail just because the shit is coming out of my ass. <laughs> That's uh, gross. You're disgusting to me. You're disgusting to me for that one. Um, so the rose tinted glasses came off a bit. The, the 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 bloom has fallen off the pedal a little bit. That's what you were saying. A little bit, a little bit, um, just a little bit. I th- think that this is like what I get out of this movie. I think is a very specific thing that I like to um, that. Uh, what I got out of the movie this time um, was um, a little more on. Uh, I'm tripping over myself here. Let's just start talking about it. So. What'd you think about this movie? What'd you, what'd you feel? Uh, how was your experience watching this? Um, starts. I watched this on Hoopla, by the way. Shout out to Hoopla. Hoopla. I think that's my version of Canopy for you. I like Canopy, but Hoopla, I feel like, has come in clutch for me more than Canopy has in terms of trying to find something to watch. Sure. Uh, so I like it. That's fine. I'm allowed to like it, and you can't say anything mean to me, or I will tell your mom, and you are going to get grounded as fuck. Uh, and that, and, and I want you to, <laughs> I want you to be, I know you so do. Yeah. I can, so that I can go to prom with your date and she has yeah. to, has to go with me for that reason. This is how you get your kicks, man. And I'm a little, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little sub. I'm your little fucking sub. <laughs> <laughs> You're the virgin to my Chad and I know it. And I'm just fucking yep. just whipping you over the back. Um, the, here's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I think the thriller sequences in this, where there is some direct action being done, are pretty good. I had a fun yeah. time watching those. They're few and far between, but when they happen, I'm like, that's awesome. I think this is a better thriller than it is a sci-fi. Just 
right off the bat. Uh, I think Jeff Nichols is an extremely talented director, and I think that this script doesn't ultimately work. But maybe not for the reason that you would think that I don't would mm. say that. My biggest and pretty much only gripe with the script, and it's a big one, but it's that I feel like I don't really know these characters. Like, as characters. Yeah. I feel like I know them in terms of what they're doing, in terms of their objectives, in terms of their in terms of their external objectives. But I don't really feel like I care about them in terms of them as characters, in terms of them as people in this story. The one that I care about the most is the little boy, Alton. He's the one I care about the most, and that's probably a good thing, ultimately, because it's mostly about him getting what he needs, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't really care about Joel Edgerton's character or Kirsten Dunst's character. And even though Michael Shannon's one of the best actors in the entire world, I don't really care about that character as much as I would like to. I care about him a little bit more than some of the others, but not really that whole lot. And so it just sort of makes for a boring experience, mostly for me. Um, mm. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. But I don't dislike this movie. Like, I'm not, I don't hate this movie. I like Jeff Nichols from what I had seen previously. I think I'd like Mud. I think I'd like Take Shelter. I don't know what I'd think of Loving or whatever the other movie he's made is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't, I don't like fiery hate this, but I, I just am sort of like, eh, whatever, you know? Sure. Whatever. That's kind of where I'm yeah. at with it, to be totally honest. But I wanted to like it because I like Jeff Nichols, but I was just, whatever. I think the script needed a lot more work than it ultimately had. I th- yeah, I think that he, it's like, um, it's purposefully a minimal story, like not a ton of dialogue, and it, the, what you, like the, the, the characters are basically their actions and just their, their goals, and the f- most fully formed character is Alton, and I think that's kind of by design, and he really does leave it up to the actors to do a lot of the heavy, the heaviest part of the lifting in terms of the characterization and just, like, kind of making these people come alive. And I think that, like, he has some really tremendous actors here. Like, it was so... I forgot that Adam Driver was in this until David Sims mentioned it. And Totally, yeah. I kind of forgot he was in the movie until you said he was in the movie to, just now, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, and it's... Um, and I'm watching this now in, like, 2021 and being like, okay, like... Michael Shannon, I feel like had his. What was the last like Michael Shannon performance that you you know? I, and I think that this is a I kind of. A, a, I didn't see it, but people mm-hmm. loved him in Nocturnal Animals a couple years ago. Oh yeah, uh, I people, think that was the same uh, year as Midnight Special too. Yeah, Nocturnal Animals is a, is a movie that I am a little hotter on than most other people are. Some people just vehemently hate that movie, and I think that there's. Um, uh, people, some people really hate that movie. I think it's it's pretty good. Um, Michael Sheen is actually in Nocturnal Animals. Not my, oh wait, no, duh. Michael no, Michael Shannon. Shannon. Right he's yeah. in the he's in the kind of the yeah yeah yeah. Let me see. Well, I guess actually, I so, guess the, the last the, I'm looking at his IMDb right now. The last performance I didn't watch the new miniseries Nine Perfect. I watched the first episode with my dad and said he's like, "So what do you think?" And I'm like, "This fucking sucks. I'm not watching this with you." Uh, and then I left for California. <laughs> but uh, Knives Out, which Knives I don't really Out, think yeah. of him as being in Knives Out. I mostly am thinking of uh, Anna de Armas, Christopher Plummer, and Daniel Craig when I think of that movie. Yeah. 
but he's in it, and he's, I mean, he's always good. He's like John Goodman. You know, he's always going to be good no matter what he's in, straight up. Shape of Water, yeah. I actually, um, uh, Michael Shannon was actually, I think, on my mind because in August I went to a concert where he played, he and his band played all of Neil Young's Zuma, like top to bottom. That's so fucking weird, dude. That's so fucking insane. It was an awesome show, uh, and he's did he actually. Sing? Uh, he did, yeah. He's actually a pretty gifted uh, guitarist and musician. Um, but I really like this movie and admire it just as a kind of. Um, I don't want to say just just as an actor showcase, but I think that they are doing the most work here to kind of to bring you to the characters. I think. Um, uh, you know, you know, basically the the bare bones about these these people. They're kind of all archetypes, and it leaves room for uh, you know. I think that Kirsten Dunst brings a lot of um, humanity and a lot of um, grace and kind of um, she her like her characters um, sort of struggle with like having to give up her son just as soon as she got him back is kind of all communicated with her uh with her face you know like at the end when they're um when they get to where they're going um michael shannon's just like determination um uh, sort of single-minded determination um almost to like his son's detriment at some point um right. like i wrote in my notes that it's like it seems like Lucas, the Joel Edgerton character, is only the only one that seems like kind of concerned for the kid's um, well-being, and I was kind of like, that's not really like a surprise in the plot or anything. Um, that's just kind of a surprise based off of the 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 the, the, the you know what we've seen with Michael Shannon so far. Like, you think that he's you know taking this kid out of this cult for his own well-being, but he has like kind of somewhat selfish aims for this, uh, for what he's trying to do here. Um, and I guess like, you know, I totally see you on this being kind of a thin script. And I think that there could have, I think it is a kind of a thin script. I think my one like kind of gripe with the, the writing and the kind of execution of the the plot here is that I wish that there's like Adam Driver's character had a little more like kind of internal conflict, you know? Absolutely. I think that uh, you you say that they're archetypes. I think that's a generous read on it. I just the script just feels incomplete in terms of these characterizations to mm-hmm. me. And you're right; they're all amazing actors. Joel Edgerton's a good actor. Kirsten Dunst's a good actor. Adam Driver and Michael Shannon are amazing actors. You know, I would say. And the kid's yeah. good too. The kid. I don't really know what else that kid has been in, but he's pretty good. But he's you know what's doing? Knives Out. <laughs> oh, he is. Yeah, he is in Knives Out. He's the like neo-Nazi, right? He's a little neo-Nazi, and he's also Henry in the Book of Henry. Oh, that kid, that's fucking crazy. That's <laughs> fucking crazy. Um, what a career. But, um, but, um, shh. It's like a drum, it's like a rim shot. Um, what was I going to fucking say, dude? Completely lost it. Uh, what were we talking about? I had a really good point that I was going to make, Mason. What Archetypes, were we fucking talking about? Oh, characters. yeah, it just, yeah. They just, it just feels like incomplete. Like, it just feels like it's, we needed a couple more drafts of this thing. To really get going, you know, on these Mm -hmm. guys. And good acting can, like, make up for some plot holes or some, you know, like, you know, stuff that's not quite fully fleshed out. But I think it's so undercooked in this Mm -hmm. regard that I don't think they can save it. I think they can, like, I think this movie's okay 
like at best in terms of that. With exception, I think, to certain sequences and certain scenes, like I said, I do think the action is very well done in this movie. Like, anything with the cars shit, you know, and, like, stuff that's, like, purely visual in terms of, like, an action sequence, it's done pretty well. That final sequence where we get to see, can I, should I say spoiler alert? Sure, yeah, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for the Midnight, for not even the Midnight Special, just Midnight Special. Uh, When you get to see the new world, you know, kind of cool. Do I care a ton about the fact they got there? No, not really. But, you know, it's cool to see it. It's done well. Nichols is clearly like a talented technical director. And I've liked things that I've seen from him in the past. But I just don't care, you know. And in a movie like this, yeah. it's like you got to care about these people. You know, you got to care about their things. You got to care about them as people. And it just didn't hit for me in that way. Um, gotcha. But if you like it, you like it. I mean, I, again, I don't feel strongly about this movie other than okay, I got to watch this. I got to finish this for the show. You know, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Um, But I do, it does make me want to watch Mud like tonight or tomorrow or something like that and like fucking see that and see like what all the hubbub was about almost 10 years later, you know? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I I have plans to go to, uh, I have plans after recording to see another movie, so I don't know if I'll get to Mud tonight, but I do still want to chunk time out to watch it and, do my best to track down a copy of Shotgun Stories just because I think, um, you know, it just this did just remind me of of how much I like and think Jeff Nichols is a is a good filmmaker. I guess the thing for me is like, um, I I am still um, going to recommend this movie. I think because for me personally, in my just like kind of watching habits or whatever, if I'm watching like something like a genre piece like this or something that's that's um a little um a genre piece I'll just say um the what's worth it for me like in a movie is like if the performances are kind of up to up to the task and if they can bring a little bit more to the material and I think in this case I don't know if I am um I, I think I would agree with you that it's it's uh, kind of a, a thin material. Maybe could have done a couple more drafts. I think a couple more just like action sequences. Like, man, the scene where the 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 satellite crashes at the the gas station, I thought it was just fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and I think that the the final chase is great too. Uh, again, with the stuff on the road, the kind of the lore. Uh, I, I also just like the. The kind of like the religious sort of like zealotry aspect of it too, like this. Um, I feel like they that... could have played that up more. I feel like that gets lost, like by the time we like really get down and dirty with it. Like I was like, oh cool, there's gonna be like a like fuck organized religion, fuck you know cults, fuck that kind of thing, and it's there. But again, I just feel like it, you know, it sort of gets washed. I think this movie in the is. Mix. Yeah, I think this movie has a lot of stuff in its mix. All stuff that I think makes sense for the world that it is that it's presenting here, you know, maybe some stuff could have been ironed out or moved around or shuffled or, or expanded. I think with a couple, I think I I do I would agree with you that maybe another draft on this could have boosted some of the found some of those holes, boosted the stuff here. But for what it is, like, um, I don't mind at the end of the day how lean it ends up being, you know, um. I also think that it's, um, well, I, I, I'm curious to find other, like, kind of lean sci-fi from around this time, because I just think that that kind of 
you know, in a couple of weeks we're going to have Dune <laughs> coming out, which is like going to be so fucking big. I mean, not to talk about the competition too much on this, the, the official podcast of the Eternals here. You know, sure, we're of gonna, course. We have to, you, gotta, you know, it's a conflict of interest at the end of the day, but we're willing to bring it. It's a conflict of interest. I, 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 Chloe, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to, to talk about, uh, to talk about Dune or read, um, most of those, uh, those books in the last year or so. Sure. Um, but I, I just, um, maybe there's, <laughs> this is going to be a weird thing I'm going to say, but I, there might be other examples of like the sort of like, I don't know if it's soft sci-fi or kind of more grounded sci-fi or something. But at the end of the day, this movie is worth recommending for me just on the strength of the performances and kind of it's like, it's, it's, um, tender kind of, um, it's kind of tender heart almost like it, this is a movie that I think is, has a, um, you know, it's it's a movie about like just parenting and watching your kid grow up and, and coming of age and just like kind of having to get rid of this. Um, you know, uh, send your kid off into this world. Like, regardless of of you know if you're living in reality or whatever, if you're a parent, you have this being that you've created <laughs> that is going to be moving on to something hopefully bigger and better um, at some point in their life. And, you know, I watched this somewhat early into moving to Los Angeles and maybe I was just like kind of in that kind of a more sure. sentimental headspace about that, you know? Um, and that's always going to be kind of part of the stew and part of the equation when I'm rewatching this movie. Um, I, I like it a lot still. Uh, I was doing some re rejiggering of my 2016 top 10 list on Letterboxd and I still found room for this in my top 10 but that really is just more of like kind of going off of like emotion and kind of my gut than any um, right. anything else really in 2016 I was looking back really fucking good year for movies at the end of the yep. day too I think really good year yeah. for movies off, right off the top I'm not even looking at anything but right off the top Manchester by the Sea Moonlight Jackie um, Sing Street <laughs> Sing Street, this, <laughs> this movie, uh, you know, Ten Cloverfield was, Lane, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Inglorious Bastards, Pulp Fiction, Memento, <laughs> Inception, Dogs, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns, Return of the Jedi, but not crucially, not Marvel's The Eternals. That is coming. No, out. that comes out on November fifth, twenty twenty one. Yes, in theaters. Yes. In theaters. Do you think they're there? No, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. We can't talk about that yet. That's we haven't. Yeah, we haven't yeah, that's yeah. some business we haven't taken up regarding the Eternals. Um, we'll maybe talk about that next week. Um, I don't have anything else to say about this, Mason. I just I don't agree, but I don't strongly disagree, and I just okay. didn't like it as much as you. And that's basically okay. where I'm at. Okay. Okay. Uh, some fast facts for you for your bitch ass. Okay. Here's some fast facts. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, here we go, fast facts, oh my god. Uh, because he wanted Final Cut, Jeff Nichols originally considered making this with an independent film studio rather than with Warner Brothers. I guess that is worth mentioning, this is a Warner Brothers, this Warner Brothers logo at the beginning of this, which is, yes. this would be on Amazon Prime now. Uh, yes. Like, yes, it would be right. like, a, it would just be like, this is a primer. Oh, you mean Amazon like, it would original. just be produced, yes, it would just like, kind of be dumped on Amazon, yes, 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 you're right. And that was only five years ago. And that's kind of crazy mm. to think. Uh, it wasn't until his last meeting with Warner Brothers that he informed them of this requirement. However, the producers at the company still agreed to make the film due to its relatively small budget. 
According to director Jeff Nichols, Adam Driver's first day on set was the same day he had gotten the news that he would be in the new Star Wars, Force Awakens. Kind of cool for Adam Driver. What a career that guy had. <laughs> I mean, Adam Driver's yeah. the man. Yeah, he's the I love him. Man. He's great. Uh, yeah, and your girls rewatch, I'm sure. <laughs> you girls of, first yeah. time watch. Girls first time watch. And yes, Sorry. he's kind of the, the best performance on that show, I think. <laughs> Yeah, no fucking kidding. That show sucks. There there doesn't appear to be any obvious reason why the film is entitled Midnight Special, but since light, photosensitivity, and a new world vision are basic elements in this film, perhaps the title's film relates to the repeated chorus in the classic blues song, Let the Midnight Special Shine an Ever-Loving Light on Me. That is what you get when you go into the IMDb trivia section, and people could just kind of put whatever they whatever their, their little heart desires, but I thought, you know, sure, fine, put it in there, fast facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yellow Arrow road sign, which the red truck crashes into, is the same road sign used prominently in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which at one point I thought, man, this does have Close Encounters vibes, and I was even going to mm. say it on the on the show that this has Close Encounters vibes, but they're not thematically really that similar. You know, there's Close Encounters is about filmmaking, you know, ultimately it's about obsession, you know? Yeah. Uh, this not as much, uh, but in terms of maybe general vibes of the movie's Kind of a similar vibe. I'd rather watch Close Encounters. Mm. Uh, the last, like, th- th- 30, 40 minutes of Close Encounters is some of the best filmmaking of all time, in my opinion. I agree. Great movie. Great movie. Jeff Nichols studied filmmaking at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. I had a friend who went there. Shout out to the North Carolina School of the Arts. He wrote his first screenplay, Shotgun Stories, with actor Michael Shannon in mind to play the lead and contacted the actor through a former teacher. The film was shot on a budget of only $250,000 and released in 2007. Nichols is currently writing and directing Yankee Comandante, adapted from David Grant's New Yorker article about Che Guevara and William Alexander Morgan. Adam Ooh. Driver will star in the film. Production is scheduled to start in 2021. Haha, that's this year. In November of 2020, it was announced that he would be directing and writing the screenplay for an untitled A Quiet Place spin-off film, which is set to release next year. In May of 2021, it announced that he had finished the script for the film. I didn't see A Quiet Place Part 2. But I might check that out if Jeff Nichols, is, Jeff Nichols is involved. That sounds cool. Yeah, me too. Uh, I liked Quiet Place Part 1 just fine. I also didn't see Quiet Place Part 2. Didn't really feel like I needed to. But if that's what's, if old Jeff Nichols is behind the, the wheel on that one, I'll give it a shot. I'll see the trailer at least. <laughs> I'll watch the trailer. I'll, I'll go on Apple's.tv's.trailers that I used to go to when I was a little boy. Yep. Um... I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to Alton's monologue, explaining that he, like, needs the son to see, and, like, this is, like, what he needs to do, like, when he's talking to all three of the main adults. Like I Mm -hmm. said, I think he's the most developed and interesting character in the movie, more or less. So I thought that moment was... I wish more of the movie felt that way, to be honest with you. Even if it's not the same kind of emotional core in all the scenes, just feeling like I know these characters a little bit more, and I felt like I really knew Alton in that moment. Uh, And I'm going to give this a do not recommend... But I don't feel like super strongly about this. If I guess I'll give it a light conditional recommend, but I just don't really feel strongly about it one way or the other. So take that for what you will. Mason, what do you got? My Mercedes Valuable Player. Uh, we didn't mention it, but I really loved the soundtrack by David Wingo. Uh, who's worked he's the with, man. Yeah, he's worked with Jeff Nichols a lot in the past. He also did the soundtrack for Brigsby Bear. Um, our and? Brand is, our Brand is Crisis. George Washington. And, oh, how about? Yes. Oh yeah, he did work with he did work with David Gordon Green. 
My I my bad on on the research on that. I'm just looking at his Spotify sort of offerings here, and it just starts at Snow Angels again, David Gordon Green movie. Um, but uh, yeah, that the soundtrack I think is um, really good. Good use of also like continuing the minimalism thing here. Sparse instruments, but I think it does a lot of um, kind of has a lot of power behind it. I'm gonna give this um, a recommend, just regular old recommend. I think that it is worth your time. Um, with, but I do see and uh, think that Noe's criticisms are valid. So keep Thank that stuff God. in mind if you are going to um, put this on the old hoopla one of these days. <laughs> I think that there's like I I think that there's a um, I don't know I still think that it is a a special movie and and worth a watch. But what do I know? I don't know. I don't know what you know. But that's the show. So. Congrats on making it through another fucking episode of this. You, you can email us at everybody wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com. We will probably read your email on the show, so please send us an email. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at it's on underscore the list on Instagram at it's on the list pod on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Those links are in the description. You can follow me on TikTok, Letterboxd, all that good shit. You can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast the podcast about people's favorite things this week talked to director filmmaker phil vernon about three of his favorite genre breaking albums what is a genre breaking album fuck if i know (laughs) truly fuck if i know and i did a whole goddamn episode about it so you'll just have to listen to that and see for yourself that those episodes come out on thursdays and these episodes normally come out on fridays so if you're not listening to my favorite podcast, fuck you. Just like they say in Talladega Nights. If you don't shoot Big Red, fuck you. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Uh, and you can watch Everything Now show. I'm now a supporting cast member of Everything Now, so I'm going to be on there more regularly. Uh, Rock and roll. At least once a month, seemingly. They have to give me more details about exactly what they want, but I am now a supporting cast member, whatever that means. It's no different than what I was doing before, ultimately. So... Check out everything now. Uh, we've had a, three of the five members of everything now on this show. Rocky Pajarito, Chris Chalakian, and Jake Ellen Bogan. Really fun. They're doing some really cool stuff. Twitch.tv slash everything now. Either that or every. Let me look real quick. If it's everything now or everything now show, I will interrupt Mason when I figure it out. It is twitch.tv slash everything now show. Give them a follow. Watch their shit. They're going back to twice a week. Mondays and Thursdays, I believe it. 7 p.m. Pacific. That's it. I'm done. Mason, take us out. Uh, that plug was about as long as the episode was itself. Folks, you can find me on my other podcast, The Barn Podcast About the Shield, which has completed. You can also find me on the streets of Chicago. Uh, I'm going to start posting my little Vimeo link. I started making short little, I don't know if you want to call them experimental documentaries or video journals or what. I'm going to call them whatever I want, but I'm going to post those on Vimeo. You can watch them. You cannot watch them. You can do whatever you want. Uh, Noah also forgot to mention we will be showing up on podcast I have versus the big boys. Oh, I yes. This weekend, this weekend, uh, we will be on that talking about the silence of the lambs, which is my favorite movie. <laughs> so we have not recorded that episode yet. Um, I'm looking forward to talking, having ample space to just go off on that movie. So keep an eye out for that and ear out for that. That will be on your podcast feeds on Saturday. I believe um, but I think that's it 
folks. So we will close out the show as we do by saying, tell someone you'll love them this week. Do something you love this week. And we will see you all next week. See ya. Okay, here's some fast facts. <laughs> okay.